The future is now. A world of endless possibilities awaits. At the forefront of this revolution stands Web3, the beacon of innovation, gateway to the future, and symbol of hope. Join us as we embark on a journey of discovery and exploring the cutting-edge technologies and revolutionary ideas that will shape the world of tomorrow. This is Web3 Talks, and we're just getting started. And my name is Caleb. I'm the host of Web3 Talks. My special guest today has just moved his company to Dubai, and we'll hear a little bit more uh, about that in a second. And so let me warmly and excitedly welcome Sam Huber of Landvault. How are you, Sam? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for being on here. I'm I'm honored. Uh, I, I really like the stuff that you're working on, and I'm really glad that you guys reached out to me you. to be on here. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Absolutely. Before we get started, uh, can I get some of your social links? Where can people find you? Uh, Twitter, website, Discord? Yeah. Um, so the company is Landvault, L-A-N-D-V-A-U-L-T, Landvault.io. Uh, you can find us on all the all the channels. And myself is Sam Huber, uh, S-A-M-H-U-B-E-R, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn mainly. That's uh, that's where you can find me. Nice. I'll, I'll put that all in the description and I'll make sure people uh, find you. You said it was Sam uh, Huber? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I, I was saying that wrong, uh, but we'll get there right now. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Uh, but I'd like to I'd like to start with, uh, you know, who are you? Um, tell me a little bit about your your background. Yeah, um, I guess I had, uh, I mean, everyone in the metaverse, you know, that is working in the metaverse today probably didn't have a straight line to that because it just didn't exist a while ago. So you have to come from somewhere else. Um, my journey is actually from engineering. So I'm an engineer by trade. Um, initially worked in the Formula One industry of all places um, as a strategy engineer working on engine simulations. That was my first job out of university. I was passionate about about uh, about the, the sport and the technology. Um, but then very quickly, I realized that I was meant to to do my own thing, to have my own company, basically. Um, and I picked gaming as a, as a macro trend that I could see evolving really fast. That was already 10 years ago, um, specifically on, on mobile. You know, I could see that more and more people were playing games and, and phones were getting better. And I could see that uh, full-on games were going to be available on, on mobile. And I, I just wanted to be a, a part of that. So the first two years were basically me setting up a, a small gaming studio. We were building our own games on mobile. Uh, as well as doing some work for hires from from client to to just fund the company. Um, quickly after that, I I found that there were some pretty crazy limitations for for creators. So if you're building a, a game, um, the ways that you can make money from it were were still very limited. And mainly the the way that you can make money from advertising was uh, these terrible ads that if you've ever played mobile games, you know they they take over the whole screen. You can't close them. It just you spend more time watching ads than uh, than playing games, and we wanted to create a better solution for that. So I had the idea, which was new at the time, this concept of of product placement inside the game. So you can you know be playing a a, a baseball game and you have like banners around the stadium that are from real advertisers, but it doesn't stop you from playing. It's there. Maybe the shirts of the players is branded. So you know the mix of brands and virtual worlds. That was already an idea in 2015, started the company 2017. We raised a, a seed round in 2018. So this is really when it started. And then from there, we grew really fast and started to bring 1,500 brands inside video games through sponsorship, uh, billboards, 
placement, really simple kind of placement. And this was for a lot of these brands, you know, the, the McDonald's, the uh, Uber, National Geographic, Coca-Cola, this were their first foray into games. This was the first time that they were actively had a, a gaming strategy. So we were really at the forefront of that. The company at the time was called Admix. And uh, throughout the, the next two or three years of that, we, we raised about $30 million and we were just, you know, uh, growing aggressively, bringing more games to the platform, more advertisers. And that brought us to 2021 when, um, you know, fall 2021, uh, Facebook rebrands into Meta, uh, crypto is really at the peak and our clients who are big brands start to hear about the metaverse and they're desperate to jump in. They absolutely want to be a part of that. And they almost forget gaming for a while which is crazy because gaming has, you know, 3 billion people, but they just followed the, the buzzword. And because we helped them get into games and they saw the metaverse as the next logical step, they were basically asking us to be the partner that helped them enter the metaverse. And so there was so much demand that we eventually made a bet to actually rebrand the company from AdMix, which was purely ad solution for games into Landvolt, a broader, I guess, metaverse infrastructure company. We acquired a studio who was uh, very skilled at building experiences from scratch because we saw that building experiences in the metaverse was actually kind of the, 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 the original vision that we had, which was to bring brands into games, but not limited to just have a product placement here and at there. The brand can really create the experience from scratch. And so that was, you know, accelerating our vision by, by 10 years. So that's what we did. And we became the, known as the largest builders in the metaverse, um, initially focused on platforms like Sandbox, Decentraland. And then lately you might have seen the new positioning that is a week old now, but we really focus on high fidelity experiences uh, because um, as we know, the, we are in a new era for the metaverse, the era of utility, as opposed to the era of hype. And so we had to also adapt to adapt to that. So that's my journey, basically, from uh, you know uh, Formula One engineering all the way into uh, building uh, cutting edge metaverse experiences. Dude, that's that is so crazy. <laughs> uh, I do want to ask. Uh, obviously, there are certain things you can't share uh, with client work, but can you give us an example of what one of these metaverses um, could look like or experiences? Uh, the reason I ask when you when you started, it sounded like. Uh, you create, uh, or rather, you help brands with product placement in experiences that that already exist. But the, I don't think that that's what yeah. it is. I think that you build them from scratch. So what what is that? What does that look like? Uh, is there an example we can jump into right now? Uh, you know, tell a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's there's many different use cases, right? And and last year was was pretty crazy because every brand from a Mastercard to a bank, Standard Chartered to um, Hugo Boss to Red Bull Formula One, they all wanted to jump in and they all had slightly different use cases. We found that most use cases are around product launches or, or marketing. So you have something that you want to showcase and you might do that by doing a TV ad or by putting a billboard in the street. And the metaverse just became another channel for, for those brands to promote their products in a way that is more like a game. So if you imagine, um, you know, the, the example of MasterCard was one of the first global scale events in the metaverse. We built that for them. That was already over a year ago, but they basically wanted to create virtual meetings where they could bring uh, an interesting speaker to talk about issues or, or causes that they cared about. In this case, it was Pride, which they're, they're big uh, sponsors of Pride in the, in the real world. They wanted to bring that uh, also in the virtual world. 
And so we were bringing, um, uh, you know, uh, artists or um, people from the management team that had something to say about that. And they were bringing influencers. And then on the other side, we had a whole audience, which was their client, their partners, their employees that were coming to, to view that content all in a virtual world. Um, so it was a pretty immersive experience and, uh, you know, a way to get um, access to information that uh, otherwise you probably have gotten through like a YouTube video. So just more, more interaction, a, a bit of a more uh, intimate forum for uh, those issues to be aired and, and discussed. That was one example. Then on the other side of the spectrum, you have a bank, Standard Chartered, who wanted to hire Web3 talent. And they figured that just putting jobs, job ads on their website might not be the best way to attract them. So they thought, where can we find those people? They're probably in the metaverse, at least uh, people that are in the metaverse are you know, already aware of Web3. So it's already a good filter to get access to that talent. And we basically gamified the whole um, uh, job, job um, process. So you would basically have questions about the bank, but then more technical questions. And if you made it to the last level, you could apply to jobs that are just not posted anywhere else. That was another use case. And then you had fashion brands that just wanted to sell digital goods. You had a Formula One team that wanted to showcase the new car. So the use cases can be very different, um, but at the end of the day, it's generally about you know showcasing the product, showcasing the service in a new way, in an engaging way. And we know that people like to engage with, you know, they, they get fatigued with the same type of promotion. And so um, if you want to target a younger audience that are already they're already born playing games and they, they know about gaming. This is a, a really great way to do that. Yeah, I think that that is awesome. Um, I, and I, I know that uh, brands like Nike and brands like, uh, I mean, other other big brands, what they've done instead of coming up with better versus from scratch, we'll say digital experiences from scratch. A lot of them decided to go down the route of uh, going onto a platform that already exists. And I think that you mentioned that this is not, the best way to go. Um, I agree. I've seen people do it. it. It just, it doesn't make sense. Why not come up with one um, from scratch? You can completely control the environment. It's it's easier. You can tailor the experience better. Um, but, but my question is, did you guys try this at first? Um, is this what you guys started out as, or did you from the beginning uh, create experiences from scratch for, for your clients? No, so we, we've been through a bit of an evolution, which uh, I guess reflects the, the industry evolution. Um, last year, 2021, 2022, if you ask any brand about metaverse, uh, especially in the web three space, right. Powered by blockchain, they would talk about sandbox and decentraland. This was basically what the metaverse was at the time. And so when brands are, you know, desperate to go somewhere, um, you have to adapt to what the brands want. You obviously adapt to what the client wants. So we were basically building there. We scaled a team at the time we had over a hundred builders on the sandbox uh, we still have you know still have projects going but a lot a lot less than than last year so at the time it was just crazy we had 20 ongoing projects at any given time uh, and really became that sandbox builder which was really cool and then decentraland became a platform where you could do slightly more things and also the platform was live sandbox at the time and actually still today uh, hasn't fully launched so this were this was the the landscape at the time but you know, it, it was pretty apparent that a lot of brands wanted to do more than that. And at the time we were limited by what the platform could offer. And when the hype started to run out a little bit, when being obviously being first on Sandbox, that was a lot of press, very exciting. Being 10th, 
a little less being 20th no one talks about it so there's a point where the brand started to think okay well we missed the boat so what can we do you know there's no point for we, for us to really be there and we started thinking from a pure utility perspective what are the things that brands want to do that those platforms do not let them do and we found that high fidelity content was generally a prerequisite brands just wanted things to look great right if you're promoting something you better look the part the second one was accessibility making sure that everyone can enjoy the experience as easily as it is to jump on a website you know the platform we discussed you need to download an app it's only on desktop then you need crypto there's just a lot of barriers to entry in the way and we thought how could we make that a lot simpler so we kind of took all of these things you know into account and decided to build high fidelity experiences you can access them from the web from a link so just like you access a website now you can access a 3d website which is why we like to talk about the metaverse as this 3d internet and also providing tools for these companies to make money from the metaverse because if it just remains a cost then it would never go much further than being an experiment for those brands or a campaign we don't want this to be a campaign we want this to be a platform that they can use just like Facebook is a platform for them because they make money from it. They sell more products. So that's kind of, that was our thinking. Uh, I guess we took the thinking a little bit further and that that helped define our roadmap. And uh, now the focus is really on um, standalone white label experiences that can be embedded with a website. So it really looks like a website, except that it's three-dimensional. So you get the best of the immersion, uh, but also the best of the internet, which is, you know, we talk a lot about interoperability of platforms. Well, if you build on the web, that's pretty much already sorted for you because that's the premise of the internet. So you solve a lot of problems by just publishing that content on the link on the internet. Uh, that comes with a lot of challenges when it comes to, you know, bandwidth and all of that. But that's those are other things that we are that we're working through. So there's been an exciting, you know, journey. And I often say that um, if the bear market didn't happen, uh, we would probably still be doing of bull market business which was to build on top of those platforms but thankfully you know we were able to we were forced into pivoting um and uh, enabled us to to build this amazing product and uh yeah uh you know get on a, a different path yeah that, that's awesome and uh eventually if, if you're comfortable i'd love to um we'll come back to it but i'd like to ask you um what that process of pivoting was because that, that's that's incredible because yes uh, good entrepreneurs like you um, in a bear market can still make it work because there's still a need for the thing that you're trying to create. Maybe there's another way to do it. Um, and you were able to see that need. And, uh, you know, I want to take a pause and, and say, you know, you know, thank you so much, um, for all your answers. Your answers are incredible. I want to make sure that it doesn't thank seem you, like I'm, I'm grilling you. I, I am genuinely really curious. I think this is, this is awesome. Uh, a lot of these questions I asked for, I didn't even, um, I didn't even write down. Uh, I was just like, you know what? I'm really, <laughs> really curious here. Um, oh, that's great. But but one thing I was wondering, uh, um, if you wouldn't mind, going from F1 engineering um, to uh, the next couple steps and then into AdMix, which became now Landvault, yep. what qualifications do you feel like uh, uh, transferred into that? Were you able to take anything or was a lot of this completely brand new to you and you just saw the need and you were like, I, I got I to gotta make something? That's a good question because I've been, you know, when you, you go on those podcasts or, or um, yeah, you write your story, I, I've been trying to find like the the connection between 
Formula One in gaming. Like I wish I had like the perfect story, but this just isn't. And uh, I'm not trying to like manufacture one. Um, but there's certainly learnings that are um, figuring out now that actually working in the you know Formula One industry has has definitely helped. And some things that are similar with entrepreneurship. Um, you know, a lot of people in in Formula One are really passionate about working there. I mean, it was we were 600 people just working on on the engine. And that's not even the chassis and everything else. It's just the engine. So it's it's a pretty big team, and everyone's like really passionate right you're here for a reason and in some extent in startups is the same as the beginning at least people are excited about the mission they are you know really result driven uh, which is not the case in many other corporate jobs so there's something similar there i think from a, a speed of execution as well speed was always of the essence in in formula one because you know you have races every two weeks during the season and um Things happen until the last minute. We were like flying people to the race, carrying a part because that was faster to ship ship the part with someone on a plane than to ship it. Uh, so it was all about like optimizing time and making sure that everything matters and really squeezing every little bit of performance. And when you're an entrepreneur, you're also trying to do that, right? It's it's just a waste to to not try to optimize time and not try to optimize things. So I think the the work ethics um and yeah the passion and just the, you know making things happen that's uh that's something that i definitely um carried across from the from the formula one job to uh to to being an entrepreneur i, I love that i think that you you picked out certain skills that you you picked up and things that you uh that just just made you good for this for this job and um really the, the point uh of me asking you i mean you're a really smart guy i think that uh this is an encouragement to everyone, there's more people than the, than than they think that can um, uh, that can take action and create a, a business like this. Um, you know, you don't have to have formal business training. Yeah. You just need to get started, no. and you're a great testament to that. I mean, I often say, you know, the 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 only one skill that you need as an entrepreneur is uh, is perseverance, is just grit, and keep making things happen. Because no matter how smart you are, if you obviously the smarter you are, the probably the less mistakes you'll make, the faster you can grow, but you'll still have things that are being thrown at you. And the key is just to be able to face those challenges and, and keep it alive and, and keep going. And that will happen again and again and again. So uh, relentlessness is actually the, the by, by far the, the most important quality for an entrepreneur above above everything else and um i think the fact that the naivete also is to some extent can play in your favor because i remember when i quit my job after spending two years in formula one i was yeah 23 at the time and everyone was kind of you know you got in there you got the gig of a lifetime why don't you just you know why why are you leaving that's just crazy and what how much runway do you have and how much how many savings do you have and what if it doesn't work and like those were things that i didn't even really consider uh, and i think if i had considered them uh, and i had looked at the numbers it would probably have told me that i wouldn't have been able to do it because at the time i knew i had about one year worth of savings um and i thought you know it's cool my product will make money in six months and then and obviously it took a couple of years <laughs> so uh, the data would have showed me that it's just impossible um, but when you have to do it then you have to do it so you know i figured out how to raise funding so i could pay myself a little bit at the beginning while still developing the product and then just made it work so sometimes the fact that you don't have everything planned out 
and you don't have a plan B is actually the best way to get started. Because if you have a plan B, if you have a, a way out, then you probably won't be giving it 100% because you always know at the back of your mind that, you know, you don't really need this. So I think that's uh, another thing that I often advocate is the, the need to really focus on, on plan A, making that work. You don't need a plan B. Um, your CFO might ask you for a plan B and C and D, but I think as a CEO, most of the time, you need to stay focused on, on plan A and, and make that the only viable option. Yeah, that's awesome. And again, your testament to adaptability and perseverance, which is very important. That that's that's all you need. Um, and I think I think that that's that's awesome. Um, and um, yeah, I, I I wanted to I'll I'll ask you about more uh, Sam questions uh, in a little bit because I know I, I want to hear more about Sam and what he likes. Uh, which you did, you did. Um, but I know we've been talking a lot about uh, um. Land Vault. Uh, but one thing yeah. I do want to ask you is you took a lot of inspirations from the gaming industry. Uh, there are many formal reports from uh, from companies on how the gaming industry led to um, what the metaverse is now, even the influence on Web3. Uh, a lot of the casual talk, you know, being in Discord, a lot of it came from gaming, the massive industry that has shaped uh, uh, other industries. It's even touched on the car industry. Um, don't quote me on this, but I believe Nvidia has a uh, a deal with Tesla, which is it's a graphics card manufacturer with a electric car company. Um, everything is intersecting because of gaming. It pushed the envelope for for Nvidia to make these cards as great as they are, and now we're even using them for generative AI. Which, um, as a side note, uh, Nvidia when they released their last card, that was a that was a really strange uh, announcement when they announced that it was for ChatGPT. It was very weird. I would encourage you to look at that later. It was just very, very strange. Um, but um, other than that, they're a great company. So the, the question is, how has gaming influenced um, you in how you uh, got Land Vault to where it is now? Um, and, and are you a gamer yourself? Have, have you gamed? Are you into it? Actually, I'm more of a, the reason why I was excited to move from engineering into games is because um, it's because more, a lot of games were moving into mobile and those were kind of the games that I was more passionate about, excited about. I'm more of a casual gamer. So, you know, if I have 10, 15 minutes, I might just pull up a game and try a new game every week, download the top, you know, hyper casual games from the, from the app store. Uh, but I've never been really someone to like dedicate hours and hours on like a more complex games or, um, you know, console or, or even PC. So I'm definitely a product of the, you know, the, the device and more of a, more of a casual gamer. Um, but I do recognize, you know, the numbers and that if you just look at the scale of gaming, I mean, it's just eating every other form of entertainment, right? There's that old stat, I think that's already five years old, but the, the gaming industry in terms of spend from customers is three times the all other entertainment. So, you know, movies, uh, TV, and so all of that, all of that combined is only a third of what people spend on games. And that's increasing still about, I think, 17% year on year. So it's pretty, pretty insane. Over 40% of the world's population are playing games every day. If we include mobile, right? Small games, Sudokus, all, the, all those kind of things. So it's really everywhere. And as you said, it's not just the behavior, but it's the technology as well. And this is why, you know, we really see that the, the metaverse is this moment on in time where gaming technologies have become mainstream and are finding use cases that are going beyond games. 
So the gaming engines, the Unity, the Unreal, they were built to create games through real-time 3D content. But now other industries are using them, movies, manufacturing, social networks, obviously metaverse. And so they're realizing that actually the product they thought was meant to build games could be meant to build a much broader set of products, um, which is this, this 3D internet. So that's where the, the opportunity of the, the metaverse comes. Gaming was really the precursor of all of that and has developed all the technology to do it. But now the use case is becoming a lot, a lot broader. And that's a little bit like the internet, which initially was just meant to share a file between universities, right? That was the first use case of, of the internet before the web came around and democratized it. So I think it's, it's interesting. A lot of technologies start with a narrow use case and then other people realize, oh, wait, we could actually use that to do something bigger. And that's happening to gaming right now. And that's the, the fundamental tenet of, uh, of the metaverse. And what was the, you said, you said fundamental tenet, what was it? What did you consolidate it into? Uh, just uh, the, the development uh, of the of the gaming industry to lead to the metaverse? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the technologies that have led to gaming to where it is today are now being used, for, you know, outside of outside of gaming and are being used for other other use cases. And to some extent, the metaverse is this this 3D Internet, this uh, this, um, yeah, this, this new environment of, you know, collection of 3D experiences that are not just games. That could be other things like a shopping experience or an experience to showcase a specific country and so on. But it's all built on the, the fundamentals that, um, that made the gaming industry successful. So the, the gaming was really the first use case. And now the metaverse is just an even bigger beast that will be basically the collection of all 3D experiences beyond just gaming yeah that that's very interesting that you say that i mean that was that was very uh a very intelligent overview um that's that's i don't have anything to add to that the only thing i have to say is yes um a lot of those fundamentals lead to what we have is web3 i mean web3 is what is the state of the internet right now and how do we want to move forward um what do we want to see out of this and what you were saying a lot of those problems that people think uh, uh, we're gonna have to solve in the metaverse, how do we deal with bullies? How do we deal with um, predatory activity? Um, all the negative, uh, uh, you know, people swearing on platforms where, where brands prefer not uh, to, that those are simple fixes because we've seen the fixes in the gaming industry. We've already seen all of this. We've already seen all this happen and how companies have reacted and the the platform and, and, and the, the, the foundation is already there. and. All you we had to do is is um, you know call it a metaverse and now tailor those experiences to certain um, uh, I mean to certain experiences like you were talking about shopping um, it's also gaming it's 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 product placement for certain brands um, but yeah I don't know if you yeah. have something to add to that no absolutely and this is why I think the the term metaverse has you know so much baggage some people think it's related to meta the company some people think it's VR. It's it's unclear. It's been it's been used in in many different ways. Lots of promises, very little achieved. And so this is why lately we started talking about the 3D internet because it's just a lot more tangible. And we're also talking about publishing that content on websites. So you know, 3D websites, 3D internet. It's basically, as I said before, the the fabric of the internet is changing from HTML, which makes the website that we know today to becoming more real-time 3D, which is powered by game engines, Unity, Unreal, and so on. 
So it's a new language for the internet and that new language creates the opportunity for a much richer internet where instead of just browsing pictures and videos, you can be part of full 3D immersive experiences, a little bit like games, but with a different use case. Um, and that is, is basically exciting because there hasn't been such a big update to the, to the internet since it was created in the early nineties. There's been obviously, you know, a lot of applications built, big companies and search and social media and so on, but the, the technology, uh, the frameworks and the tools have pretty much remained the same. There's, there's been evolutions, but there hasn't been a, a huge revolution that gives the internet a third dimension. So this is really the first time in 30 years that we are, you know, at the verge of that, that change. And I think this is really going to change the way that people consume content online. Um, not everything's better in 3D, but uh, a lot of things are. A lot of experiential thing that you're doing online, whether it's meeting someone or trying uh, an item of clothing or uh, checking out your next destination, you know, what would be best to see a picture or to actually feel like you're there or, uh, you know, being able to experience it in three dimension and actually go into the hotel room and check out the size and so on. There are things, there's a lot of things that require an experience and uh, having a third dimension there would just create something that is a lot more natural for people to understand. And then on top of that immersion, right? This new um, this new dimension for the internet, you layer the blockchain, which acts more as the, the financial backbone to process transaction and decentralize all of that. And to me, this is the, the convergence of these two huge trends, gaming tech and blockchain that really give birth to this web three metaverse, this 3D internet that we are, that we're talking about. Yeah, no, and this is going to sound crazy. I know this is this is a stupid question, uh, but I was going to ask this uh, just now. What is the integration? Uh, what integration do you have with uh, with blockchain? And do a lot of clients just ask for for just the experience, or do you give them both the blockchain integration and the digital experience? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. We um, so. I'm here in the in the Middle East, right? The company has been um, expanding to Dubai um, as a kind of stepping stone to the whole region. A lot of the region are digitalizing. They're really, really uh, adopting the whole metaverse virtual world, but not always the blockchain. So it is separate. You have some clients that are just interested in the in the immersive uh, layer, right? This is changed to 3D. And uh, more and more, there is education around the benefit of blockchain. So I think we're, we're going to come back to having most of the time, the two technologies will, will go hand in hand, but, uh, but it doesn't have to. And they are, you know, metaverse platforms, uh, Roblox being one uh, huge platform, 300 million users, nothing to do with blockchain and yet very successful. So um, those would be more like the 2.5. Um, I think that the ultimate vision is definitely to have the blockchain as the the financial you know engine that that goes behind it yeah and i you know i obviously i agree with you um i i think that um you know in spite of that a lot a lot of brands kind of they, they're like you know I, I don't know about the the blockchain aspect of it because people are a little bit uh, uh afraid of that but um like you were saying um and then I'll add to this, there's no linear way for companies to increase sales, right? And that's why you see a lot of companies on Roblox, that you see a lot of companies on even Minecraft. I mean, I've seen companies use different 
weird experiences, even Fortnite, just doing some sort of collaboration. You got a skin on there. Uh, uh, it's a great way to increase sales because you're making people aware of the brand. They're just like, what is this? Or maybe mm. it's, it reminded them, right? There, there's all sorts of reasons why people do product placement for the purpose of advertising. Remind, reminding is a great one. Um, what is it about custom digital experiences uh, that can increase sales even further than on being uh, another platform? Obviously, there are some obvious reasons, but um, uh, how, how would you answer that? I mean, I think if you if you look at the customer journey and the fact that most of the time, if you are able to retain the customer for longer on your website or in any environment, you're more likely to extract sales, right? This is why time on website does matter to a point. Engagement matters, um, how, how much time you have to educate the customer to basically push them through or let them go through their own you know, steps of awareness and then consideration and then eventually purchase. Um, statistically, if you have more time to do that, you're more likely to convert that customer. And we know that 3D environments, and the proof of that is obviously coming from gaming, that it is one of the most engaging medium of all. You're more likely to spend more time in a 3D experience than to just spend time reading a book, looking at an ad, or even being on a website. Just because there is a story around it, it immerses you, it focuses you, and you know, you're more likely to just perform actions and, and continue to evolve in this environment. So the metaverse basically takes this engagement mechanics, but then applies it to not a game, but more to selling a product or completing an action or doing whatever it is that a, a brand or a, a business might want a customer to do. And it's not about manipulating them at all. It's about creating a fun experience that they willingly engage with. Obviously, they, if, if the experience is crap, they can leave at, at all times. So it's not about forcing them. It's more to giving them a different type of experience that you just can't give in two dimension because there is a dimension that is, that is missing. And so doing that, you're able to create um, much more attachment to the, to the user and the average time spent in that experience is on average three to four times higher. We have about, I think our average time per experience was about 25 minutes. And you know that if you compare that to a website, that's huge. You know, people on average do not spend 25 minutes on a, on a travel website or any website for that matter. They come in, they come out. Um, so there is that element of retention. There is that element of engagement that is native to the 3D environment and that statistically helps drive more sales. Um, now, of course, it's not, you know, it's, it's only if you look at a, a big subset of users and over time and so on. And we still, you know, there's still work to be done to really, um, I guess, convert those users and connect that with a, a proper sales funnel. But it's clear that it's all about engagement and that in a world where, you know, we are, uh, we have very limited attention spans, gaming experiences, 3D experiences, sorry, is still the best way to keep someone engaged in a digital environment. And I think that's the real power of, of the metaverse. It's to create an experience that obviously would never be as good as the real world, but would be second to that. And so if you think about, you know, your brand, you want to sell something or you are a hotel in the Caribbean, so you want to promote your, your hotel, what is the best tools that you have at your disposal today? In a digital form, it's a video. Now, the real best thing would be to fly people 
there and have them experience it you know in in real life that's the best but then the second best thing is a video the best way to showcase something digitally is a video now we think the metaverse is going to slot in between the two not as good as the real world never i mean you know speaking in person is always better than zoom and and so on but it would be better than than video uh, and so i think there is a space between reality and the best digital form of communication that we have today which is video and that's what the metaverse is which is why we talk about this second best thing or this next best thing after reality um, and it's a way to basically not replace our physical lives but improve our digital lives um, and i think that's really where the, the metaverse space is in the world yeah exactly i mean you were talking about uh improving our our uh, I don't know. I don't exactly. I said it, improving our digital life. It's it's supposed to be there to not replace the world, but uh, digital experience. That's why we call it digital experience instead of you know the metaverse. Yeah. I think that people more focus on that side in terms of the business um, aspect. And and one of the other things that you were pointing out is it is better to tailor an experience to your customers because you get better engagement. Um, it's it's easier to upsell, much easier. Um, historically, you don't even have to have a, um, it's just any sort of digital platform. So um, that's that's there. The other concern that businesses have um, that I'm, I'm curious to know, um, I didn't even ask you this earlier, I should have, um, is that when you create an experience, uh, a lot of times you have to have um, minimum requirements with the, com the with the computer you have, either whether it's your phone or if it's your um, actual computer, your laptop, right? Uh, so experiences like Roblox and Minecraft, uh, Minecraft maybe not. Minecraft maybe doesn't work on the phone the same way as Roblox works on both very well, um, and it runs on on a very um, slim laptop like like mine, the one I'm using right now. It works pretty well. Um, how do you? solve that challenge if you do at all um because i know i know businesses are like well most people that uh, we're serving they had they might have phones or most of these people they just have these kind of lower end laptops because people don't have these gaming computers when yep. you create these experiences are you confident that anybody can get on them so that's the that's definitely the goal of that second pillar that i mentioned the accessibility how do you make it that everyone can access the metaverse just like everyone can access a website so all they should need is is a connection and thankfully there are new technologies being developed uh one of them is pioneered by um uh, epic games unreal but also used by others now and it's called pixel streaming um and it's basically the concept that google stadia was was built on pretty much which was basically cloud rendering so the the the, the rendering which is the processing of, of the visuals actually happens on the cloud. And then the information is then streamed to the end device. So the, all you need is a strong internet connection to stream this in real time, just like you know you stream your, you buffer your, your Netflix content. It's basically that, except that you can move the character. So it just requires a lot more of a connection, um, but you don't need a high processing power uh, because the processing happens in the cloud. Now, there is downside of that, which is cost at the moment. It's a pretty new technology, and you end up spending a lot per user. So it really depends on the clients. There are some clients who, if you don't expect millions of users, this is a perfect version. We have demos of that on our live on our website right now, where you can stream pretty high-quality you know, buildings and, and monuments of, of Dubai on a phone uh, in 4G, wherever you are. You don't need a... You wouldn't be able to render that on the phone, but the phone just gets the information from the cloud. 
So that's you know one way that we see the, the technology evolving, where the the device doesn't need to do the rendering anymore. Um, and so this is just one of the one of the ways I think that the the metaverse is going to become more and more accessible. Yeah, and uh, I'll, I'll ask you. That was a great. That was, that was awesome. Um, I, I didn't even know what to expect with that one. Uh, but you're you're right. Google Stadia is always something that comes to mind um, when it comes to solutions. I think that that's a great. Uh, that's a great solution. It does require people to have good internet and we're moving into a world where the internet's becoming more accessible. So, um, you know, that, that's not even an issue that's going to come up. Um, and you were saying, I'm actually going to write these down as you, uh, I was trying to remember the pillars of the metaverse. One of them was accessibility. Um, and then, uh, you know, I'm actually, I'm going to address the other question I was going to ask. Uh, I think this one's a better one. So on your LinkedIn, you have in your description, uh, let me just pull it up real quick building the http protocol of the metaverse and like you said earlier um the internet started as, as just transfers uh, uh files between two people right peer peer-to-peer -peer communication maybe even um and even that was was down the road with, with social media that's that's you know yeah. web 2 is as people uh consider it and hyper hypertext transfer protocol is what it stands for so it's literally uh and then the s you see is, is secure so what what is your vision for the internet right you you talk about the 3d internet and since http is always the precursor to any website you go to i mean that's that is the protocol that we use um do you see uh uh i guess i don't want i don't want to like set this up i just want to just plainly ask you what what's the vision uh, of the internet that you have no that's a that's a good question um definitely http would still be a protocol that powers the 3D internet as well. So this is not going to be replaced. Um, this was more of an analogy with kind of rebuilding the, the scaffolding that is necessary. And HTTP also represents interoperability, right? This is the, the web that basically enables everyone to speak the same language. So you can always go from website A to website B by just clicking a hyperlink. That wouldn't happen if those were different platforms built on, on different tech stacks. There is a standard for communicating on the internet, that's HTTP. Now in the metaverse, one of the things that we're building is this protocol called Matera, um, which is built by Landvolt. And the idea there is basically to help uh, creators uh, bring their content on chain. So a, a way to tokenize the content, bring it on chain. And part of that would also be to standardize the, the data and mainly the metadata that, that is a metaverse experience so that um, other tools could be built on top, like search, for example. How do you search a 3D environment? There's no keywords there. You have to understand the content. And also you have to search two experiences using the same um, framework or using the same taxonomy so that someone that looks for something could then search across all of the different experiences that you've been indexing. So that's a, pro a product that is um, still quite early, it's something that will be released next year. There's a token associated with it. It's a full on like Web3, Web3 protocol. Um, but this is what we mean as this, I guess, HTTP equivalent. It's really a way to power uh, experiences and enable creators to unlock uh, new new monetization from their content in, in Web3. Yeah, I think that I think that that's awesome that you guys are building something like that. Um, because the, I, I was wondering, I mean, how are you going to look for these different experiences? I think that we will move into a world where we have at least something uh, to look for. The I mean, it could be a search engine or you know what what you were talking about. Um, I think that 
people are going to come up with a lot of solutions and then we're just going to see what, um, what works, but, um, what you guys have been doing has been working pretty well. I, I am impressed by what you guys have built. I think that this is, this is awesome. I, I say you guys, I, 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 of, of course, of course. Um, and, um, yeah, I say you guys because I th I think that when I was reading through your, your LinkedIn, um, you have you have a partner. Um, it, are you working with? Um, is it like a large team that you guys have? Uh, I'm just curious. I know that you guys just moved to Dubai. You guys are expanding. I mean, there's so many things happening in your world right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we have still about 120 people uh, globally, and um, a, a huge chunk of that are, are builders that are basically um, dedicated to certain projects. So we have, you know, Unity developers, Unreal developers, Sandbox, Decentraland, and so on, and they can work on multiple projects at the same time. And then we have a, a core um, internal team that is about 35, 40 people. And those are building our own products. So the publishing product that I mentioned, the protocol that I mentioned, then we have tech people, product people, marketing people. So this is more to handle the, the I guess, uh, internal operations of Landvolt, while the others are more the uh, studio, you know, working on, on various various projects. So that's what the, the team is made of uh, right now. And at the moment in Dubai, it's we're basically two people, myself and our head of partnerships, and we're just, um, you know, here to create partnerships, build relationships. Uh, the development can still happen uh, offshore, but we see this region as a huge growth uh, region for what we are building. And this is one of the key regions that we are targeting going forward. Yeah, I think that that's awesome. And, and you even mentioned that you guys came up with, um, for lack of better words, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but digital twin of Dubai. And I think that there's a little bit of a showcase on... Uh, your website, like a metaverse version, it's like kind of yeah. plays in the background. Yeah, that those yeah, really yeah. cool. There's many projects going on um, with different, you know, government entities and, and local companies. And the ultimate goal would be to have the whole the whole city digitalized and available at the same time. Now it really starts bottom up. You know, you start with uh, a, a hotel, a, a landmark, um, maybe a, a stadium um you know government entity but because we're building everything um on the web and using our own protocol to tokenize all of that it's all connected just like websites are connected so bit by bit building by building we are recreating i mean ultimately ideally the the whole world uh not at the same scale but at least the the important points of the world the important businesses and the important things will also have a presence in in the metaverse so um, yeah, it's quite excited to see, you know, a whole new digital world being, being built right in front of our eyes. Yeah. I think that that is, that's so cool. Um, and what you, what you just said ties in, uh, perfectly with, with the question I want to ask, which is what, what do you think the influence, if any, of VR and AR tech is going to be on the metaverse? Uh, and I, I'd like to say when people started to hear about the metaverse coming up, in the mainstream, um, and like you said, I think it was late 2021 when a lot of this stuff was just just shooting up yeah. in in the awareness of, of all of this. Um, people thought that the metaverse was just you put on some goggles and you jump into a world like Ready Player One. They just that was that became the standard for a lot of people. Um, what is the influence, if any, of those technologies um, uh, in your opinion, or even from what you've seen moving yeah, forward? Yeah, I think the that reputation really came from. Uh... Facebook slash Meta, who, who for them, the vision of the metaverse is going through the 
the head-mounted display, the, the VR goggles, because that's what they are. That's the product that they're pushing. Um, I think in reality, you know, if we if we keep the the analogy of the metaverse being the 3D internet, the th the the internet is not a device, right? You can consume the internet on your phone, you can consume it on your desktop, even on your TV, and it's going to be the same for the metaverse. So we have to distinguish the the content itself from the device, and I think the metaverse. Um, will be initially consumed through the device that we already have, the, the desktop, of course, but mobile. And this is why accessibility is so important. I think the first company that really crack metaverse mobile experiences will be the one that gets to mainstream adoption because that's where the eyeballs are. Um, now, it doesn't. Uh, the reason why it's going to start with those is because there is billions of those devices in circulation. And if you can access the metaverse without having to, to buy hardware, of course, you're gonna you're gonna go through the path of least resistance. Of course, eventually, when you know VR devices are are really mainstream, and uh, to be honest, I'm not exactly sure uh, that will happen at all. But it's de it's definitely growing. This will still be the the ultimate way to consume the metaverse because I don't know if you've used much VR, but being fully immersed in the content is just it's just next level when it comes to immersion and really leverage, you know, the most of 3D content. You have to be in 3D yourself. You can project 3D content on a screen, which is what most games do, but you still lack that ability to evolve in all dimensions. So I think for really, really immersive experiences, people will use VR, but I think they will use VR a little bit like you go to the cinema. It's not something you do every day or even maybe every week. It's something that, you know, you really reserve for like the big movies and maybe you make an event out of it. It's it's a big thing. You're not going to go see, you know, every every movie in the cinema because it's it takes time and it costs money. I think VR is the same. It's something you'll have at home. You maybe put it, you know, every couple of days when there's an experience that you really, really want to consume. But it's not something that when you have five minutes, you know, you, you you stick to your phone because getting in and out of VR, it's isolating, it takes time. Um, it's not something that you can just do on the go. So to me, the, the VR will remain the best way to experience the metaverse, just like cinema is the best way to experience a movie. But it's not going to be, in my view, an everyday use. Oh, it, it said if I hold spacebar, it'll unmute it for a second. It didn't work. Uh, I, I tried it. Um, what What did you think of the Apple uh, headphones? And Ellen, by the way, I, I do know uh, I'm being conscious of time. We are close to the hour, uh, um, top of the hour. But I, I do want to ask, what, what did you think of those Apple uh, uh, glasses that they just released or announced? Vision Pro. Yeah, no, we're super excited about it. I think, um, obviously, this is a, you know, a moment that... Uh, someone that has been involved with VR since now 2017. We've always been waiting for that iPhone moment and it was supposed to be the next year and the next year and maybe it's the Quest 1 and maybe it's the Quest 2. And um, Meta has actually a fantastic product. The Quest 2 is, is amazing. I think that by far the best VR product out there. But um, they really tailor it to, to gaming. Uh, which is great for, for the gamers, of course. But I think if we're talking about a mainstream product, what's exciting about Apple is the way they positioned it was not about doing revolutionary things that you've never done before, but more doing the same things, but in a better way. They were talking about how you could watch Netflix 
in, in a massive screen in front of your eyes, you know, just buying, being sit on a, on a chair or where you could uh, FaceTime your friends and see them as if they were next to you. Or if you, you could see the pictures that you've taken from your iPhone in front of you as if you were transported back in time. So these are not new behaviors like playing ping pong in your kitchen, which is what Meta is promoting or manipulating a 3D turbine, which is the, the kind of ads that the HoloLens was doing with Microsoft because they were targeting a more B2B audience. Those were cool, but also kind of foreign. And you were wondering, why do I need this? I don't play ping pong in my, in my table, um, in my kitchen. So it's not, you know, it's just, it just it didn't really make it relatable. Whereas Apple really made it relatable and they made it sound like the things that you already to do today, you could do them in a more immersive, more engaging way. So I think it's it's super exciting. Obviously, everyone building the metaverse, you know, getting closer to that three-dimensional interface um, is just a, is just a really cool way to push the industry forward. I still maintain when I say that I think this would be more like a, a cinema type of experience, not something that you wear all the time yet. But, you know, the technology can develop pretty fast. And I think very soon we'll see a non-pro version that would probably be a lot cheaper and probably um, also supported by phone carriers. You know, when you buy your iPhone, you probably get a, a subsidy. You, you pay your contracts more expensive, but you get an Apple Vision Pro. And then with that, you'll be able to download new movies and things. So I think that it's, it's all going to become part of our lives for sure. Um, and I, I'm quite excited to see because whatever happens there, it will definitely help push the, the, the 3D internet forward. Yeah, that's very interesting. I think that between you and these other companies, you guys are looking pretty far uh, forward into the future and even not, not that far. I mean, it, it's, it's, we are coming to the point where that stuff is becoming more practical. Um, and the uses yep. are, are are being shown a little bit uh, uh, more. So I think that that's, I think that's awesome. I, I'm glad that you, Shared your thoughts on that. I wasn't sure what to think of the, the Apple Vision Pro at first. I was like, uh, you know, it doesn't seem super practical yet, but I think that we'll we'll see uh, uses. I think that it's great. They got partnership with with Disney that really helps because now they can come up with those experiences like with the Mandalorian that they that they um, uh, showcased during their their keynote. I thought that was cool. Um, but um, you know, let me let me leave you with one more question. Uh, what's what's next All for right. Land Vault? <laughs> what is next for Land Vault? Yeah, so a big thing that. What's next is basically what you can see now on the website. And this is this, this shift towards more uh, white label experiences. Um, as part of that, we also announced that we are building tools to basically accelerate the creation, the deployment and the monetization of, uh, of the 3D internet. So we're not just a studio building projects for hire. We're actually building our own tools to, to accelerate that. And we're, we're quite excited about those. And the way I think about it is this, you know, WordPress moments that I often talk about when everyone should be able to, to build a 3D experience and to deploy it and to make money from it. Just like everyone is able to quickly build a website, quickly build an Instagram page or a YouTube page. Those things are just easy. But, you know, 20 years ago, building a website, you, you needed to have a whole company and it probably would cost you a million dollars because you had to have your own servers and your own payment gateway. And now you have all these building blocks that enable you to do it for free. And this doesn't exist in the 3D internet or the metaverse just yet. This is why it's so expensive and, and it takes so much time to build things. So we're basically trying to create all the scaffolding to make it as easy as it is to build a website to now build on the 3D internet. 
And we think that um, when that's the case, just like people have different you know, pages on social media, they have your, their blogs and everything, everyone will also have their own 3D experience uh, for specific use cases that they will be able to turn into a business. So that's really a long-term vision. And now we reveal the tools that we're building towards that. And, you know, we're going to keep, keep making progress and keep plugging away at it. I love that. That is so web three is creating tools for other people to go ahead and, and do it themselves without too much complication. That is the future of the internet. Uh, so, you know, I'd, I'd like to thank you for coming on today and sharing all of that. Thank you so much. Thanks for Sam. having me, man. Love the questions. That was, of course. That was fun. That, that was awesome. And then ju just one more thing. Uh, one more time. What are your socials? Where do you want people to, to find you? Yeah, you can find me on at Sam Huber on uh, Twitter, uh, on LinkedIn as well. And from there, I'm sure you can find the, the Landbolt page. And we actually share a daily video show as well on LinkedIn. Um, so it tells us more about our, our life in, in Dubai and, you know, trying to get deals done and, and growing a, a tech company in the metaverse. So definitely catch us there. That sounds awesome. Well, I will link all that in the description and make sure people uh, uh, can can follow you. And well, I want to thank you so much for taking time for the Sam. Thanks and, for having me, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Good luck on the future of, of Landvault. I mean, you know, awesome that what you've done so far. And uh, I hope you have a great rest of your week. You too, man. You too. Yeah, thank you. Take care.